0: God works in two ways with us. He works by manifestation and He works by hiddenness. God always works from the inside to the outside. Once He's come to us, once He's invaded our heart, He is seeking to get out of our spirit that which He has lodged there by His grace and by His mercy. And the promise of God upon each one of us is this, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13:5. He said a similar things to Moses and Joshua in Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always. The Bible says that God himself is our hiding place. Psalm 17:8 says I'll keep you as the apple of your eye keep me as the apple of your eye hide me in the shadow of your wings Psalm 31:20 you hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man and listen if you're going to be a prophetic ministry you have to know that one by experience Psalm 91 talks about the shelter of the most high hiding under His wings, God being our refuge, our fortress, our dwelling place, that we are abiding in His shadow. John 15 talks about abide in me and I will abide in you. Psalm 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place, you preserve me from trouble, you sing over me with songs of deliverance. There are times when God reveals Himself to you, there are times when God hides from you. And the purpose of hiddenness is to connect us with God's wisdom, which is the revelation of who He is and how He likes to work in our lives. Job 28. He says, where does wisdom come from? Where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living. Only God understands its way and knows its place. You see, in hiddenness, God is teaching us the wisdom of how to walk with Him. How to know Him. How to understand Him. And how to learn the reverent fear of the Lord. Psalm 51, David said this, You desire truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, make me to know wisdom. You see, in hiddenness, the wisdom of God is being revealed to us. You see, in manifestation, God invades our time-space world with Himself, with His presence. And He touches us, and He blesses our life, and we feel Him in tangible, physical, emotional ways, because He's restoring our soul. So in manifestation, He comes to you, and He impacts you, and He touches you. But in hiddenness... He, move, he withdraws from you to pull you into His sphere, into His realm. Because you have to know how to walk with God in both places. You have to know how to walk with Him in the physical and how to walk with Him in the spiritual. So a hiddenness is about God withdrawing from you, but pulling you into His realm, His dimension, so that He can speak to you. In manifestation, He's blessing you. In hiddenness, He's building something into you. In manifestation, He's touching your soul. He's blessing your body. But in in hiddenness, He's building the interior walls of your castle of your heart. He's building something into you. So in hiddenness, He draws us into His world by closing off our capacity to physically and emotionally experience His presence. And in hiddenness, He teaches us how to perceive Him by the Spirit. He shows us how to look for Him in faith. He shows us how to believe His Word and stand on that Word and how it opens up a whole new dimension of life and perception. See, in manifestation and hiddenness, God is present, but He's present in totally different ways. How many of us know that God invented hide and seek? See, when God hides from you, He gives you a promise. If you look for me, you'll find me. But you have to look for Him in a different way with your spirit than you do with your soul. And that's what draws you into that secret place of the Most High God. 1 Corinthians 2. I was grateful for Michael just uh, reading that uh, passage out last night as uh, introducing me because, in many ways, I do feel it does define where I am, who I am, where I'm coming from, and the way I choose to live, and how I love living in this place, this secret place of the Spirit. It's one thing I am an introvert by nature, I love my personality. I like being quiet, I like being still, I like being reflective. I don't have a lot of things to say. I never wanted a public ministry. But the Lord said, if you will do this thing for me, I'll help you to enjoy it. So when I get up on a platform, I feel like an extrovert. But I can't wait to finish so that my introversion can come back. The so people think I'm a schizophrenic because I'm one thing on the platform and another thing out there. It's just that I never wanted this place, but the Lord said, "If you'll do it for me, I'll fill your mouth, and I'll teach you to feed my sheep, and they won't be able to write fast enough." So if you're thinking about writing notes, I just give up, eh? 1 Corinthians 2 says, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God. It's only found in the hidden places with God and it's only spoken in times of hiddenness. Why? Because in times of manifestation, we cannot hear deep truth. If we do, we do not understand it. In Luke chapter 18, 31 to 34, the disciples are enjoying a manifested relationship with Jesus. He's right there in front of them. They can touch Him, see Him, behold Him, smell Him. They can lick Him if they want to. But when He speaks at length about the cross, about His death, they did not understand or comprehend because the meaning was hidden from them. You see, when you're in a manifested relationship with God, you cannot hear deep truth. Because manifestation is about enjoying His presence. It's about loving Him, it's about reaching out, it's about touching Him and being touched by Him. It's about laughing, it's about giggling, it's about squirming with pleasure in His presence. But hiddenness is about hearing the deep things of God. In hiddenness, God gives you revelation about your life. He gives you revelation uh, revelation about why things are happening. He gives you strategy. He gives you keys. He opens up the spirit realm to you that you see beyond the natural into the spirit and you start touching things that you cannot touch with your natural man. And you learn how to live from the inside to the outside. See, the Holy Spirit is here, is sent to promote the internal development of the inner man of the spirit There's a wisdom that comes from above that cannot be gained by academic study. James 3 talks about two kinds of wisdom. One that is earthly, natural, demonic and one that is from above which is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering in its conviction. And when you know how to walk with God in hiddenness, you partake of a wisdom that brings you peace and rest no matter what the conflict around you. It brings a calmness and a serenity. A capacity to see beyond what, is, what your natural man can only eyeball. It teaches you how to look way beyond that. It brings a peace and a rest that you transmit to other people. One of my goals, personal goals, is I want to be the most tranquil person on earth. Because I have discovered that rest is a weapon against the enemy. He cannot inhabit your rest He cannot inhabit your peace. That's why Jesus wants to be the Prince of Peace to you. There is a calmness. There is a serenity. It doesn't matter what is happening. I have lots of warfare around my life for which I am truly grateful. I have assignments against me almost every day by witches and warlocks. I have demons appearing physically. I'm grateful for all of that because I can live in a place in God. When those things are not an intimidation to me. I I just want to be fascinated by Jesus. Too busy being fascinated to be intimidated. There is a place in the Spirit, I am totally and utterly convinced, there is a place in the Spirit where you can make the enemy tired and weary and discouraged and depressed. And that place is to be reached in life, not when we cross over. There is a place in the Spirit where everything the enemy does against you only makes you stronger. There is a place in the Spirit where every time the enemy attacks you, he's worried about how you're going to respond to God. But the wisdom of how to live there and how to occupy that place and how to enter that place, it's only given to you in times of hiddenness. It's the mystery. It's the best news of the good news. How to hide with God. How to step back into your spirit, man. How to live from that internal place of the Spirit. You see, when you learn how to be with God in hiddenness... The wisdom you gain gives you a whole new perspective on situations. And it produces in you a rest and a peace which are astonishing. Revelation 2.17 To those who overcome, I will give some of the hidden manna. Who is this spoken to? It's spoken to the church of Pergamum, who just planted a church in the most occult, defiled territory they can find, where Satan's throne is. They're right in the midst of a whole occult region. And it's in that place of warfare that God begins to speak to them about the hidden manner. You see, in times of oppression, knowing how to live in the secret place of God provides additional revelation. It's a consternation to the enemy when he attacks you with everything he's got and all you're doing is getting a deeper truth from God because the oppression releases a further revelation if you know where to live. There's nothing worse to him. Apart from being ignored, that is, because he's a megalomaniac, he loves all the attention. That's why so much of warfare is just arrant nonsense. All that attention on the enemy. And we should be attending on the King of Kings. See, there's a place in oppressive warfare, there's a place of deep revelation that God has set aside for you. So what do you want to do? Do you want to eyeball the enemy, or do you want to be learning some deep truth from God. God has ways of covering you on the battlefield. We will only overcome if we allow ourselves to be developed internally. So the Lord wants all of us to learn to live from the inside to the outside, to fully understand the process of internal development in Him in manifestation we're revelling in our experience of the presence of God you can be surrounded by him you can hear his voice you can be touched by him there's a lightness in our spirit there's an ease in worship and prayer the love of God will fill us and touch us we can know his joy and his strength there's a release of anointing There's an enjoyment of God and His favour. There's an ability to see into the realm of the Spirit. There's a a fruit bearing that takes place. There's a sense of living in the blessing of God. There's a victory over the enemy. There's an accelerated growth. All of that is manifestation. Brilliant. God loves to show Himself to us. When Moses said, show me your glory. You know, God was the one who got him to ask the question, will you show me your glory? Because God just wants to show off at times. He just wants to show you who it is you're really dealing with. That's why he loves manifestation. All of Israel would see the presence of God coming down to the tent of meeting. They had the cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night and God loves all of that. Moses experienced the burning bush. Other people had physical manifestations of God in their life like the angel of the Lord, the captain of hosts, wheels within wheels, the fourth man in the furnace. A Mount of transfiguration. In manifestation, he's blessing us in the physical realm. But Isaiah said in chapter 45, verse 15, "Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel." In hiddenness, he's still there. but he's hiding. He loves to hide as well as to be our hiding place. What he does is he removes the external vision to give us something better to see, which is internal perspective. Remember, when we're talking about hiddenness, we're talking about living in the deep places of the inner man of the spirit. A place where we can turn and yield inwardly because we're living from the inside to the outside. So everything comes up and out through your mouth in supplication, in prayer, in proclamation, in declaration, in confession of faith. That's why your spirit man is linked to your vocal cords. Whatever's in your spirit man has got to come out through your mouth. That's how you know it's there. But in this place, we do not depend upon externals for our life support. We walk by faith, believing. We're calm in the storm. We're still in the earthquake. We wait with thanksgiving because this is the will of God. Our heart is fixed on God. It doesn't matter what is happening or not happening. Our heart is fixed because we know how to live in both dimensions. We're not subject to external stimuli of events and circumstances. We don't need to go to meetings or conferences to get a hit or a fix. Our evidence for faith is the Word of God itself. And we turn inwardly and we wait silently for God to speak. How many of us know that God will not answer your prayers at the same decibel level that you speak? You can be crying out, God, speak to me. I am. Father, please say something. I need to hear your Word. Father, please, will you say something? Shut up. Why does God whisper? It's because He's teaching you to listen. Still, small voice. See, manifestation, we enjoy and experience the Lord which blesses the body, but in hiddenness, we are promoted to new levels of insight and revelation, which build the house of God on the inside of us. He removes the visible in order to create new vision within us, teaching us to walk by faith, not by sight, teaching us to live inwardly, helping us to believe in the promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the great thing about God is, He always hides in plain sight. I used to play hide and seek with my sons. And my son, Ben, who was about six or seven at the time, and I had a son, Seth, who was about four or five. I used to play hide and seek. Now, with Ben, because Ben was quite a shy, nervous child, if he couldn't see me, he's more inclined to burst into tears. So with Ben, I always had to make sure that certain parts of my anatomy were sticking out. Because then if he turned around and if he located that part of me that was visible, he would be okay. Seth played the game by different rules. I say, Seth, you go away and count to a hundred and I'll hide. Okay, daddy. So he'd count to a hundred, which was basically one, two, miss a few, ninety-nine, a hundred. You had to be really quick when Seth was playing with you. So I would dive behind someplace. Then Seth would say, okay, I'm coming, daddy. And he would go off and hide. And so I'd be in my hiding place for half an hour thinking, where is this child? And then, so in the end, I would go looking for him. And when I found him, he would say, ha, caught you. God always hides in plain sight. Sometimes He hides right next to you. He just wants you to look for Him with different eyes. He loves hide and seek. He just says, great, would you look for me with the eyes of the Spirit and you'll see me. Because I'm not far from you. In fact, sometimes I'm standing right next to you. So many of us go through life every day unobservant in the Spirit. Not God conscious, not seeing God. Walking with us, but we don't know it. Hiddenness is really important, beloved, because it's the way in which we find out how God likes to work in our lives. You get to know the way that God wants to walk with you. Hiddenness establishes our capacity to rest in the Lord. Hiddenness promotes quietness of soul. That you have to learn how to bring yourself to peace. Uh, Generally speaking, I can bring myself to peace in less than 30 seconds, no matter what is going on, because it's just a discipline. You can do it because God wants you to do it. It's about bringing yourself to peace and stillness and quietness. Only God, you know... Psalm 46, only God can talk about being still in the midst of an earthquake. I love that psalm. It opens with an earthquake and finishes with God saying, be still. Only God can do that. Only God can give you stillness when the landscape of your life is changing almost underneath your feet. I remember a number of years ago in the late 1970s, the Lord said to me, great Take a deep breath. You're not going to feel my presence for the next two years. Because I need to teach you this discipline. Because son, if you don't learn this discipline, I can only use you in very limited ways. I need you to learn about hiddenness. I need you to learn about how to walk with me in the spirit. I need you to learn how to live in the inner man of your spirit. So I'm not going to Reveal myself to your soul for two years. I'm not going to touch you. You're not going to have any emotional or physical connection with me for the next two years. took me six months to stop whining. I figured that if I whined enough and combined it with fasting, he might change his mind. Fat chance. So I had to set myself to learn how to live by the Spirit. How to believe that God was there simply because He said He would be. And how to depend upon the Word for my very life and breath. And I could pray for people and everyone would fall over. I wouldn't feel a thing. I'd be in the midst of worship where incredible things were going on. I wouldn't feel a thing. Day after day, learning to come to a place in the inner man of my spirit, where I could feel the presence of God on the inside, though my soul would be unmoved. Learning to believe that God was there, bringing myself to peace and stillness and quietness, day after day, sometimes through attack after attack, because God allowed certain attacks to be orchestrated against me so that I could learn how to live in hiddenness, even when the enemy was charging around being foul. I remember one day, on tour, just, I had these like, blank postcards I had in my, you know, in my briefcase. And I, just one day I sat down, and I wrote the address of the hotel where I was staying. And on the message side, I wrote, Dear God, wish you were here. Love, Gray," Because that's how I felt. Then I stuck it in my Bible. And a couple of days later, I'm fumbling for my Bible. I knock it on the floor. This postcard floats out and <clears throat> on the message side it says, it was written, Dear Grey, what makes you think I'm not? Love God. I wrote, Dear God, wish you were here. Love The Message I got back was, Dear Grey, what makes you think I'm not? Love God. And I looked at it for like five minutes. I saw it physically change back to my handwriting. I never felt a thing. Then a while after that, I'm asleep in bed. I went to bed, about 11 o'clock, unusual for me because I don't sleep much. Went to bed at 11 o'clock and suddenly I woke up and the presence of God is in the room. I mean, it's like almost suffocating me like a blanket. I turned, I don't know why, I turned, I looked at the clock, it's 12.01. And I suddenly realized it's two years to the day. And he's in my bedroom and I hear this voice saying, get up son, we've got things to talk about. And I realised that he'd missed me as much as I'd missed him. Because God is very tactile, he loves to touch. But from that point, I was on this journey of how to turn and step back into the inner man of my spirit. It's interesting, you know, watching people in renewal. I used to go into churches and everyone would come forward in full-blown renewal and there'd be people who, as soon as you touched them, they were off like an octopus on crack. (coughs) And then other people would stand there totally still, like a, a rock of sanity in an ocean of madness. then people would take these guys off to a, a room somewhere and try and deliver them and so I trailed after these guys all those right now who are not feeling the presence of God just go into this room and so I trailed off because I wanted to know what they were doing and they were trying to get these guys delivered so I went back out and I said to the leader listen this is not a deliverance issue these people are in manifestation. That's why when they get touched, they're all over the place quickly. But those people are in hiddenness. Something different is happening to them. Can you give me those people for a few evenings? I just began teaching them that when you're in hiddenness during renewal, something different is happening to you. I remember my wife being in, uh, in this whole season of, of renewal and nothing really happening to her. And I said, sweetheart, she said, what's wrong with me? Am I some kind of second class believer or something? Is there something wrong in my life? And I said, no, sweetheart, I believe you're in hiddenness right now, so it's going to work differently for you. She said, well, what should I do? I said, well, this is what I think you should do. You should, when you come down, let people pray for you. If nothing's happening, Just voluntarily let yourself go down on the floor. And when you're lying on the floor, this is what I want you to do. I want you just to begin to ask God questions in your hiddenness. One of the questions you should ask Him, sweetie, is, Father, what is it in me that you most want to change right now? And interact with the Holy Spirit and just begin to pray. And say, touch this thing in me. So that I am changed from the inside. Touch this thing in me. The second question you can ask is, Father, what is it about you that you most want to reveal to me? I said, sweetheart, when you go down there, take a notebook with you. Because God will begin to speak to you. And I started training these people how to be in renewal, in hiddenness. And so we had this like writing side of the building. But everyone came and laid on the floor and we prayed with them and they had their notebooks and they had a great time because they, God started to speak to them about Himself. And they began to get changed. God began to do open heart surgery on them with no one there praying. Because in that hiddenness, in that secret place, God began to meet with them. And I said, Sweeter, also when you do those two questions, do a third one. Like, talk to God about the call of God upon your life. And let God speak to you about it. Let God breathe something into your spirit about your call. And if there's any particular thing right now you want to pray for, ask Him, because you've got favour there. And she began asking the Lord, because she was a teacher at that time, would you please save some of my colleagues at school? And over the next eight months, when she was in that cycle of hiddenness, of her friends at school all came to know Christ. See, God's doing something. God was building something into her. Over here, He's blessing people physically. Over there, He's building something spiritually. It was great just seeing what God... I tell you, we can trace back the anointing that she has got right now, and she has come from the back room right to having a a ministry right in the foreground of what we are doing as church. She's become one of the most anointed speakers in our whole evangelistic program. She leads people to Christ virtually every week. She's designing courses. This is my Heather, who, who just lives in the background for 20 years. And now suddenly in this time of hiddenness, God pushes something into a spirit that is so profound, it pushes her into a whole new dimension of life. And she said to me, you know, that time of hiddenness was the best thing in my life ever. And I said, it's always the way. The times of hiddenness are the best times. Of course, the times of manifestation are gloriously brilliant. But they're just totally different things, yeah? God is doing totally different things with us. Okay, let me give you a classic definition then from Scripture of hiddenness and manifestation. You want to turn to Luke 24. I love this passage because you can see some of the mischievousness of Jesus in this passage as well. Which still, every time I read it, it makes me laugh. So, Luke 24, verse 13. Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Classic hiddenness. And he said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad, and one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said, Where have you been? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said, What things? <laughs> I mean, it cracks me up. <laughs> it's is so mischievous. What things? He's only the center of the universe, eh? <laughs> what things? And they said to him, You know the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people. How the chief priests and our rulers delivered him in the set to the sentence of death and crucified him. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women amongst us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body. They came saying that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said. But him they didn't see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then... Beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the Scriptures. What was it we said? In hiddenness, that's when you get to hear deep truth. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going further, but they urged him saying, stay with us for it's getting towards evening, the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Ah, it's like a Homer Simpson moment. do Ah, oh, No! Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? While he was explaining the scriptures? You know, I knew something was going on, I just couldn't figure out what it was. They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them. they say, saying the Lord has really risen and it's appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognised by them in the breaking of bread. He was with them, but their eyes were prevented from seeing Him. Classic hiddenness strategy from God. You can see it in the early days of the Old Testament with Jacob in Genesis 28:16, when he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Now there is retrospective, there are two kinds of truth, yeah? There's retrospective revelation. That's when you look back and you discover what God was doing and saying all along. How many of us know that the first time you do something, you learn how not to do it? You look back retrospectively and you think, Oh, I shouldn't have done it that way. I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd done that. So most of us, when we look back, there's a very high cringe factor. Sometimes a cringe factor of 10. Oh God, did I really say that? I am so sorry. I was still apologizing for one particular thing 10 years after it happened. And the Lord said to me, will you please shut up about that? I'm bored out of my tree. Every time you say that to me, will you please stop it? Retrospective revelation is when you look back and realize what you could have done, what you should have done. You realize how things should work. You realize what God was saying. That's why feedback is the most essential part of discipleship. Helping people to look back and discover truth. But there's a better truth than that. It's called progressive truth. That's when you are in the circumstances right now and you're understanding right now what God is saying and doing. And in progressive truth, you are walking out the truth as you go and it gives you a different energy and a different faith and a whole different perspective. When you're walking in progressive truth, you can change everything around you. Because as you are walking out in the truth, other people will get drawn in to that kind of spirit. Progressive truth. Sometimes the hiddenness, the reason for it is so that God can clarify where we are in our own thinking. They said to him, in verse 17, they were looking sad. Uh, They weren't processing the truth of what was happening. They were confused and downhearted and sad. And they didn't understand anything. But they had all of these kind of like opinions of what was happening. And in times of hiddenness, God wants to clarify how you should think. Sometimes, you know what it's like? You, get these, you have these endless discussions with no revelatory breakthrough. And all you do is establish the paradigm that you first started with. So when you don't understand something, you talk about it endlessly and get absolutely nowhere. Which is what was happening with these guys on the road. They were discussing stuff. And all the time they were discussing, they were getting more and more sad and downhearted. They had no true supernatural spiritual perspective to help them process events. So you're almost bound to come to some kind of soulish analysis. Understand this though. Being sad and downhearted is one of the signs that people are not processing their hiddenness in God. We're not processing it in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. But our sadness does not deflect the Lord from His objective. In my two years of going through this profound time of hiddenness, God was not deflected by my whining. I need you to learn this. So I'm going to carry on with the lesson. You just better catch up, son. Many times we are sad in times of hiddenness until we process it properly. Then we can rejoice in the Lord. In hiddenness, too, God is uncovering our wrong perspectives. Look at verse 18. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened? He said, What things? They said, You know, about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet. But they'd been with the guys who, when they were there acknowledging Him as the Son of God, they'd been there, and the times when people said, you're the Christ, and He said, shut up, don't tell anybody. And now suddenly, He's downgraded to a prophet, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God. We were hoping that it was He who would deliver Israel. I have a wrong perspective. The point when Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And there were four distorted images that came out. Some said you're Ezekiel, some did uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, this, that, the other. And he looked at them and said, who do you say that I am? Jesus is not having an identity crisis here. He knows that you can only progress in the spirit when you know him as he really, really is. And here these guys have both got a distorted image of who Jesus was. So God has to shed light on our ignorance about who He is and what He's doing. So God has to uncover what you're not seeing. For Jesus spoke at length about Himself in the Scriptures. It's part of God's plan always to expose revelatory weakness. It's a part of our training. It's a part of our equipping. Hiddenness also helps us to process our own disappointments with God. We were hoping that Jesus was this. We were hoping that He would do that. Often, our hopes and expectations about God are built on very shaky thinking, and they need to be pulled out. And you understand that Jesus overturned several major expectations of the Jews. Firstly was the manner of his coming. He came as a servant, not a king. Secondly, the people that he came for, he came for Gentiles, not just the lost house of Israel. Thirdly, his main purpose in coming, he came to build a spiritual kingdom, not just to rescue Israel from the Romans. Many people were disappointed with him. Everyone thought the Messiah would do more to rescue Israel. Even after a 40-day conference with the risen Christ, how would you like that? You're in conference and your teacher walks through the wall and says, Good morning, class. After a 40-day conference with the risen Christ, what was the only question they asked? Excuse me, boss, but does this mean you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? No, it flipping well doesn't. Man, on the one hand, it's quite nice to see that they're just as stupid as we are. But God has to process our disillusionment from the inside to the outside so we can get rid of it. Hiddenness is always about a change of heart. Hiddenness exposes our unbelief. They had received some clues from the women regarding Jesus. Maybe their prejudice against women prevented them believing something. Maybe it was too good to be true. Maybe they were too kind of cerebral. And they can only process logic and information. You know what they say about fundamentalists, don't you? They're no fun and mainly mental. In times of hiddenness, God begins to answer the questions in our hearts. He begins to instruct us in his ways and his thoughts. See, in times of distress, we do not seek the hidden part. We get into our soul and we want physical, emotional and mental stimulus to help us process events. But revelation is born into the spirit man. You've got to step back into that secret place. The hiddenness factor can play a huge part in your growth and development. Bible talks in 2 Corinthians 4, 4.18 about fixing our eyes on what is unseen. That's what's happening when you're in hiddenness. You're fixing your eyes on what the soul cannot see. And the inner man is renewed so that we are able to see the unseen and eternal world of God. I want to tell you, hiddenness is something you can choose. It's not just a season that God may thrust upon you for a specific reason or time of growth. You can choose the secret place. You can step back in the God of the daily discipline. You can wait on Him worshipfully. But at least you know when the enemy comes calling, there's a place where you go where he cannot connect with you. The enemy hates you with a malignant, malevolent hatred. But he's not stupid. He won't chase you into the Holy of Holies. For obvious reasons, eh? You step back in the garden and when the enemy comes knocking on that door, Jesus opens it and says, what do you want? There is a place in God where we can make the enemy tired and weary and hiddenness is the entry, it's the gate of entry. Listen, if you don't know or understand what's happening, just go straight to trust and wait. Step back into the inner man of your spirit and Wait sit. Learn how to sit and wait on the inside. Learn how to worship. Learn how to pray and just wait. And just thank God. The thing is, if your mind gets loose on things first, you'll process your ignorance. If your spirit gets hold of it, you will release faith towards God to hear the word of the Lord. Disciples ignored all the signs. They had the heartburn. They ignored all the signs. They were not used to hiddenness. They only wanted manifestation. God is bringing us to a place where we can meet Him in either place. We just know that we have to respond differently. Sometimes we're looking for the answer in an experience, a manifestation. At times, God is teaching us by hiddenness. And he's expounding the reasons why things are happening. Why certain things are necessary. Why he's working in this particular way. In hiddenness, God talks about himself. He reveals his own heart to you. And it's a revelation of God to you personally. Let me say again. In manifestation, he's invading our time-space world with his presence. In hiddenness, He's drawing us into His realm of the Spirit. In hiddenness, God always wants to go further than we do. Jesus wanted to go further, but they urged Him to stay. Sometimes we miss out. If if all you ever want is manifestation, you want God to stay with you, but He's got a particular place He wants to take you. And we actually curtail the work of the Spirit when all we want is manifestation. When you know how to walk in both, you can walk at the pace that God sets to the dimension that He's provided for you. There's a stamina that comes through hiddenness. Listen, beloved, if our capacity to enjoy hiddenness is limited, our experience of God will be limited also. At first, When you become comfortable with God in hiddenness you will feel find yourself going further than you ever thought possible in the circumstances that you're presently in The Lord takes us an extra mile in terms of revelation we experience a bigger breakthrough because in hiddenness we discover God's desire to show us mysteries because he loves to reveal himself In this instance here, I believe Jesus had to manifest himself prematurely because they were in danger of missing the point. Sometimes our desire for manifestation and blessing can reduce our capacity to be built up in the spiritual realm. As soon as they saw him, they began to rejoice. Ah, it's an aha moment, everything is much clearer now. Ah, oh, so now I understand. Right, so that's what that... So that means, oh boy, we better go back to Jerusalem and tell the boys. I spoke last night about 2 Kings 6, Elisha and his servant. Elisha is someone who knows how to live with God in hiddenness. His servant doesn't. So his servant has incredible limitations. All he sees is an enemy attack. All he sees is the danger to himself. All he's in touch with is what this is going to mean to him, what's going to happen to him, how he's going to suffer. But when you're living in hiddenness, you see way beyond that. You don't see the danger, you see the opportunity that's arising. And out of that time, because Elisha can see beyond the natural into the spirit, he leads the enemy on a dance. He takes them on a 14-mile walk. He blinds their eyes so they don't even recognize who he is. And out of that time, Israel gained peace for 40 years. That's the kind of person we're looking for today. Until we fully learn to live from our spirit, we're probably going to process life through our soul, through our mind, our emotions and our will. If our thinking is defective or confused, if our emotions are up and down, we're not going to be settled in our focus We have to learn to retreat into the inner man of the Spirit. Through worship, through prayers of submission, through an inner yielding and turning to God. Sometimes just through sheer obedience, using your will. You know, because your will and obedience combining is the entry point to the Spirit. God works in us both to will and to do. For His good pleasure, Philippians 2.13. When you turn your will over to God, He works in you. One of my wife's favourite prayers, which she's prayed now for 25 years, and I always know when she's struggling because when she prays this prayer, I look at her. She says, Father, I'm willing to be willing. Please help me. I look at her and I say, sweetheart, is there anything we need to talk about? She, I've just got this struggle with God and I'm letting Him know that I'm willing to be willing, but I need Him to work in my will. She trusts God. So the will of God touches us and brings us into a place where we want what God wants. Hiddenness is a major part of being willing to be willing. Many Christians don't wait well. We don't wait in the presence of the Lord really well. The church is into microwaving. God is into marinating. The more you can flow with God in hiddenness, the more we realize God's presence in all things. There's a serenity, there's a calmness in the hidden life that stretches us to see beyond the natural. It's what makes us a people who are supernatural. Other examples of hiddenness and manifestation. What about Mary in the garden, John chapter 20? Seeing this person, think it was the gardener until he spoke. Ah. Suddenly she has this aha moment. It's always personal with God. When you're in hiddenness, He calls you by your name. God, in manifestation, He always calls me Graham. But in hiddenness, He always calls me what my best friends call me, which is Gray, And... I said, well, look, why is that? And it's because he's deeply personal in hiddenness. It's just something, he's connecting you with himself in a deeper way. About Paul being buffeted by the enemy in 2 Corinthians 12. All he wants is the manifest presence of God to deliver him. So he's crying out for deliverance. But God wants to use this situation to teach him about hiddenness. To bring him into a whole new place of living in the grace of God. I remember God saying to me, Son, I want to teach you about grace in this next season. So, Graham, I love the way you pray, but you whine too much. I want to teach you how to stand up on the inside, son. I love your prayers of supplication. But if you could stop the whinging, it would be really helpful. So listen, from this day on, I'm saying this to you. Every day is a day of grace for you. Some days the grace of God will enable you to enjoy what's happening. And some days the grace of God will enable you to endure what is happening. These are days of grace. So son, enjoy the grace of God in whichever of those two ways you need to. But come before me with grace in your heart. I'm just finished by saying this. There are different reactions to hiddenness. Take it from David's life. Why did David go through so many similar experiences? I think it was mostly because he misunderstood God in times of hiddenness and he thought that God had rejected him. Psalm 44, 24. Why do you hide your faith and forget our affliction and our oppression? verse 26 rise up to be our help and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness it's a prayer for manifestation in a time of hiddenness it sounds good but he missed the point entirely psalm 88:14 oh lord why do you reject my soul why do you hide your face from me he saw it as a rejection and he misunderstood god and he missed the point remember what i said last night you get these tests And if you fail the test, it comes around again, and again, and again, and again. He's missing the point. God's trying to teach him about hiddenness, and he's totally missing the point. He's seeing it as rejection. Psalm 89, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? And he has this prayer of restoration in the midst of everything. But the point is, I think God's still trying to teach him something about hiddenness and he's not connecting with it. It seems a good prayer on one hand, but I think it's a soulish prayer, not a spiritual one. He saw it as the wrath of God. Job had the same problem. Job 13. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? He can only see his own situation. He can't see God's hand yet. He mistook it as God's wrath. The most common mistake is to think that hiddenness, that is the lack of God's tangible presence, is because he's angry with us. Now listen, beloved, there are times when God hides his face because of sin. But we're not talking about that here. There are people here today, you know you need to sort your life out in terms of certain habits you've got. And the grace of God is on you to do that because you have a year of favour to get rid of those things and move into a deeper place with God. But we're not talking about that here. Isaiah 64, 7 says, You've hidden your face from us and delivered us to the power of our iniquities. So what I'm saying to you. In the wilderness, you go into the wilderness for two reasons. You go in because you're stupid because you're reckless, because you disobey God, because it's the only way He's got of trying to beat some sense into you. Or you go in by invitation. Moses went in because he murdered somebody. John the Baptist went in because it was the place of promise for him. Jesus went into the wilderness. He has his experience at His baptism. The heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends in bodily form. That's full-blown manifestation. And a voice is heard from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What's the next thing that happens? God, the Holy Spirit, took him into the wilderness. What does that mean? It means the wilderness is a place where God takes you when he's pleased with you. And when he's manifested himself upon you, he wants to take you into the wilderness because Jesus went from manifestation into hiddenness. And God took away from him all the experience he'd had. And as he was fasting and praying, God began to speak. And when you're in the wilderness by invitation, there's a reason why you're in there. It's because God wants to give you your inheritance word for the next season of your life. God has got things to say to you in the wilderness. He's got things to say to you in hiddenness. Where He wants to give you the defining message of your life. He wants to give you your life message for the next season. And so Jesus is in that place getting victory over the enemy, proving that God is with him. God is walking with him, manifesting, revealing himself to him through that hiddenness, speaking truth to him. And he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Because the wilderness was just a place of invitation to hiddenness. And he comes out of that place. He goes to a synagogue. He gets up to the podium. He finds the place where it says he reads out of sequence. And he finds the place where it says Isaiah 61. He reads out that passage, he closes the book and he looks at them and says, today this word is fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Because it was his inheritance word. You see, in hiddenness, God's going to give you a word for the next season of your life that will define your ministry in that next stage. I have loved every one of my wilderness experiences. I have to be dragged kicking and screaming back into reality. I love the wilderness. I love hanging out with God there. I love it. It's the it's a place where you connect with angels. You connect with a power that's way beyond you. You connect. There's no distractions in the wilderness. The wilderness is great when God invites you in. It's not so cool if you've been stupid. So the prophet goes from Mount Carmel, Elijah goes from Mount Carmel and he starts running in fear of his life and he ends up in the wilderness sitting under a tree thinking that's it, I want to die and the Lord says to him, what are you doing here? He wasn't supposed to be in the wilderness. God said, get yourself down to that mountain, I've got things to say to you. Some of us are in the wilderness right now and you're not supposed to be here. just here because you've done something silly or just because God can't get hold of you any other way. I have had eight wilderness experiences in 27 years and I have loved every single one of them. Each time God has given me a passage of scripture, an inheritance word that has defined the next stage of my walk with God and my experience with God and my ministry. It becomes part of your life message. Typical reaction in hiddenness is what you see in Psalm 104. You hide your face, they are dismayed. You take away their breath, that is the soul. They expire and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. You hide your face, they are dismayed. That's hiddenness. When God hides his face from you, he's drawing you into a whole new dimension with him. David gets it right eventually in Psalm 13 when he begins to pray for enlightenment about living before God. Isaiah has understanding of this kind of process. Prophets usually do. In Isaiah 8, 17, he says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. God's just playing hide and seek with you. But the promise over you right now is, beloved, if you seek me, and I'll even help you with that, if you seek me, You're going to find me. But I need you to look for me with the eyes of the Spirit, not the eyes of the soul. The eyes of faith. I'm right there next to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm actually right next to you. I'm hiding in plain sight. I just want to teach you how to look for me with different eyes. And you're going to love it. Because once you learn this simple discipline, nothing will be impossible to you for the rest of your life. You'll see me everywhere. You'll see me on the battlefield. You'll see me on the days of intense oppression. You'll see my hand everywhere. Because in hiddenness, you don't just get to see my hand, you get to look right in my eyes. See, a man involved in hiddenness, looking for meaning, is a delight to God. Father, I thank you. We could go on and talk about windows of the soul, but I'm going to quit there because we can pray. And I was talking to the Lord this morning and I said, Lord, normally it takes me two hours to teach this. And I'm saying, Father, in my, in my hotel I'm saying, Father, what I need this morning is for time to stand still. I have never done this talk in this amount of time ever in my life. how many of us right now are suddenly understanding that you're actually in a season of hiddenness? Yeah, look at us. And so many of us have just been crying out for manifestation, thinking that's the answer. See, beloved, God is drawing you into a place. I want to tell you, this time of hiddenness, these are the best moments of your life. Because God will reveal Himself to you. He will connect with you. He'll tell you things about Himself. He'll give you wisdom about how to live in this current season. He'll tell you what He's doing against the enemy. He'll tell you how to overcome things. You'll get so much wisdom and revelation. It'll take you months to process it. Father, I pray, God, right now in this place, if you're in a season of hiddenness right now, I want you to take a deep breath and let it out really slowly and just relax God has not left you you haven't done anything wrong He's hiding and He's drawing you into a place you should begin to get excited He's drawing you into a place this is going to be the coolest the best time of your life When you're going to learn to process things with God you're going to get more revelation now than you've had in the last three to five years. And God is going to give it to you yourself. You won't need a teacher right now. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He's going to show you the things around your life. He's going to give you wisdom about each one of them. And you're going to look at it and think, "All oh, right, right, that's what I need to do. You're going to learn how to stand up in certain situations. He's going to tell you things about Himself You're going to discover more about God personally in this season of hiddenness than you have maybe in the last five or ten years. These are profound times of revelation. I want you to enjoy this time. So what we're going to do, just in a time of ministry, I would like the staff from uh, IHOP just to come out. And I want to pray for you guys. And then, wherever you are, just come out, just come out. Line up here, that's it. Wherever you are, staff from IHOP, just come out, and we're just going to lay hands on you. And just line up for me, in a line, okay? That's what lines are for. All together in a line, that's it. Great, one single line, excellent. Just line up down this side as well. I'm going to pray for you guys. What I want you to do is take your glasses off, if you're wearing glasses.